Welcome to another episode of the Covenant Community Kids podcast. I am Jackie Jones. I'm Evie Jones. And our guest today is Jules. How are you doing today on this fine afternoon? I'm Slash doing okay. A little <laughs> discombobulated this morning. Yeah. <laughs> early, early mornings are my forte anyway. Yeah. So We're in different time zones. So We are. <laughs> afternoon slash morning time, Midwest and West Coast. Yep. Sunny San Diego. How is the summer over there? Yeah. is So San Diego is where it's just like 70 all year. Is that right? <laughs> Pretty, <laughs> Pretty much, much, yeah. I mean, we get we get some extremes. We go up to 75, 76. Everybody's Oof. complaining, <laughs> you know, heading to the beach, sitting in their pools at home because it's a heat wave. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, in the winter, it drops to 68 and everybody puts on parkas and That's extra gloves. Hilarious. You see all of the like the boots come out. Wow. Um, it's insane. We have some weird distorted sense of what high and lows are. And then yeah. it, and then you go back to Michigan, right? You take a vacation somewhere <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's snow it and you're streams. like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. 40 one day, 95 the next day. Yeah. Just, and, yeah. Then you, and then you yeah. scurry back to San Diego as fast right, as you can. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. If you don't like the weather in Michigan, just wait an hour. Wait an hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, I grew up in Michigan, so right. I know how that's yeah. I know what it's like, so... Yeah, that's right. We have a brother, yeah. our older brother, Mike, is in L.A. So it's funny, too, to me, because I think of, like, San Diego and L.A. are just right next to each other. But they're so different weather-wise, oh, you know. Cult- like, weather-wise, and cultural they're and, yeah. Culturally, there are millions of miles apart. Yeah. They are close, so though. I can get to L.A. in okay. two hours unless okay, there's yeah. a reason why everyone's going to L.A. And then mm-hmm. the traffic is, like, interminable in both directions. Yeah. Both directions. Yeah. Everybody in San Diego goes up to L.A. to do, like, the L.A. thing for the weekend, and everybody in L.A. goes down to San Diego to get away to get from away. L.A. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Well, well, do you mind telling us a little bit about um, your involvement with Covenant Community? Like, what brought you to come on the podcast and want to tell your story? Well, you guys had a call a call for submissions, and I it kind of piqued my interest because it was specifically asking for anybody that had LGBTQ experience with the community. Yeah, and that's me uh, all the, on the way in and on the way out. I mean, there's no getting around <laughs> it for me. Um, but uh, my involvement really was not 100% with the community. I was never a community member. Um, I came as a guest many times for the open um, sessions. A lot of terminology I've forgotten, so I may describe something and you guys are going to be like, oh, that's called those such and such. I do remember challah bread. Everyone always remembers challah bread. Everybody remembers that. (laughs) Or the Lord's Supper. AKA Lord's Day. Lord's Day. Lord's (laughs) Supper, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but my involvement was through the uh, University Christian Outreach, which was the um, college arm of how to recruit people into the community to some degree. I mean, I think there are people whose entire interfaces with the community where they went to college for four years, they were involved in UCO and then they moved back home or they moved wherever Mm -hmm. they were going to go. Never the twain shall meet. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. like they assessed people in UCO to see what the possibilities were for them to continue on in the community. Mm -hmm. You had to have some kind of certain something for them to start reaching out to you and saying, you know, there's more than UCO in the world. There's actually a whole 
like adult mm-hmm. chapter of UCO that you could be involved in. Interesting. Um, and I and wow. and they always my experience was it was this really sacred thing that you got selected for, right? It, it, it there were some people in UCO that were approached uh, and told about the community, and there were some people in UCO that were not. That's so wild. And I haven't heard that perspective it, it w- before. Yeah, it, and it, what was weird was they sort of told you not to have those conversations. So they would tell you a little. They would start broaching the subject of this, you know, wider worldwide community, and then be very specific about, you know, not everybody knows about that, and it's not really something wow. that we discuss publicly so you know don't just start talking about it willy-nilly you know and what that it's exclusive and that's one of the hooks I think one of the hooks that works is you suddenly feel like not only have you been selected to be in UCO you know and but that was more like a club organization right college Mm -hmm. kids all together doing the same thing although albeit very strange same (laughs) thing um and then there was like, and then this hand comes out and says, do you want to be part of something even more secretive? Wow. And then you're like, well, what is that all about? You know, and then you start hearing about it. So eventually, you know, they sort of kind of step you into the greater community and get you prepared for it. So you're not shocked by what's happening in there. But you also feel very selected, very like VIP about, oh, you know, I actually made it into going to a greater wow. community gathering. So my involvement was UCO at the University of Michigan, and this was in 1980. I guess that gives away my my age, right? (laughs) 1980. Not important. Let's see. It would have been 82. So I graduated from U of M in 86. So 1982 is when I first became involved. Um, And did you want me to kind of tell you how I even got got involved? I would love to. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll try to, I, I, as I said before, when we talked pre-show, I, I tend to right. ramble on. So feel free to just kind of like steer me back where hey, I Hey, we got to. an hour. Ramble I got a away. lot of information to download. <laughs> and if anybody wants to hear it, I'm, I'm here for I'm up for it. So, I want to hear um, it. That's, you know, I was, that's why we are here. That's why we're here for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is why you're doing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I grew up in a suburb of Michigan, uh, Warren, Michigan, and um, pretty much from the time that I could really like understand who I was and start getting the whole, you know, my I'm an I an identity unto myself. I was pretty much knowing that I was gay, and so it it in the eighties when I was coming out, or even like the seventies, you know, it was the mid seventies, really, seventy five, yeah. seventy six, maybe. Um, you just know from a cultural and uh, social perspective, this is not something you discuss with people <laughs> like back then, right? Back in right. my day kind of thing. You just didn't tell people that. You just tried to figure out okay. what this was. The only thing that you got from the outside world was how it was wrong. And so you were trying to navigate as a as a young adult um, these feelings and reconciling it with this social message, which was this is not okay for whatever reasons, this is not okay. And I know if I say anything to anybody, it's really not going to go well. So you pretty much hid most of the time and tried to figure it out on your own. But I knew. So as I went through, you know, junior high and high school, I I had um, a girlfriend. I had several different girlfriends. Who knows what they've gone on to do. Some of them have gone on to you know, get married to, you know, men and have kids and families. And, you know, maybe they were gay, maybe they were bi, who knows. 
But right. that was kind of my trajectory was navigating through high school and everything and knowing that I was gay. So one of my high schools, uh, one of my girlfriends in high school didn't go to my high school, but went to a different high school. And um, we had a relationship, you know, this is, you know, puppy love kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in high school, 11th grade, 12th grade or whatever. Yeah. Feels very, um, very, very big at the time. It, you it know what, big. considering yeah. it's so small in the, in the perspective of your lifetime mm -hmm. it is so significant is. you are so yeah. impressionable at that age oh, yeah. it sets the tone for everything yeah it really does. feelings are so strong they really so are yeah. yeah 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 and i mean it can, i really do feel like some of those relationships can make and break you as far oh, as like sure. how you're gonna interact with people later on in adult life and yep. you gotta it's not that if you don't get it right you'll never get it right it's just that you got to go back and figure out what was happening here you know totally. like totally so yeah. it was big. I mean, those were big relationships for me, like you said, with big feelings. Mm -hmm. And so um, everything was kind of humming along. Uh, it was a relationship that I had. I felt very secure in the relationship. I felt very, you know, loved by my girlfriend and vice versa. And it was exactly what you would expect from any heterosexual relationship in high school. You know, I had a girlfriend. We did stuff together. You know, it was like la di da, nothing, no big, yeah. like it was just normal for me because that was right. my normal, yeah, 100% uh, my normal. And so little, at some point, my girlfriend started getting involved with something called um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, she was an athlete and that's how we actually knew each other um, by being on a, a like sports team. And she, the FCA, I think it's called FCA still, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, is is pretty big in a lot of high schools. Of it. It's for, yeah. um, you know, athletes to come together who are Christian and have a place to, you know, talk and fellowship and do the normal kind of stuff. You know, it's it's no different than like the Boy Scouts. You are a FCA member right. and you kind of go to FCA meetings and you do, you know, camp stuff and they're FCA programs and and uh, conferences and all kinds of stuff. So she started getting involved in FCA and getting more and more involved and more and more involved. And I, I really had no real Christian upbringing. My parents were Catholic, but most of my life, they were not necessarily hardcore Catholic. We didn't go to church. We didn't do anything religious. I was kind of like, mm -hmm. if someone had asked me, I would have said, yeah, we're Catholic, but that's about the extent of it, you know? So it really didn't yeah. mean much to me. Either way, I just know that she was hanging out with these FCA kids in her high school, right? It wasn't my same high school. And so everything was going along fine until literally just one day I went over to her house and went to the door like I did a million times before, knocked on the door. But this time her mom answered the door and just blew a gasket at me about how I had, you know, done this horrible thing to her daughter and what kind of monster was I and I'm going to go to hell and I mean it was like getting hit in the head with a sledgehammer I had no idea what just had happened because I didn't yeah. realize that her mother knew so it was like oh. that's what had happened is she had gone home I guess at, after some time being in FCA and talking to somebody started getting the whole you shouldn't be doing. I guess she must have confessed to somebody yeah, what she was the doing. Messaging the messaging Yeah. Right, and yeah. so she must have gone to somebody and said, okay, I realize now that what I've been doing is wrong. And I guess they must have counseled her to go home and tell her family or right. her parents mm -hmm. in order to put an end to the relationship. Yeah. Um, 
because I don't think she would have been strong enough to do it on her own. So I think that was her way of like, yeah. I'm going to really implode this whole relationship by telling my parents. Wow. I don't remember her dad being involved in it at all. So maybe she just told her mom. I'm not sure. But I just know that it was her mom who met me at the door and just blew me off the porch with her like hate speech about all the awful things that I was and all the awful things that was going to happen to me and don't ever come back to the house again and don't ever call and don't even look at her daughter ever again. Such like that's a strong done. reaction. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty significant. I mean, I can understand sitting down with both of us maybe and being like, are you sure this is what you want to be doing? You know, but that's, you know, it's a lot of years ago, right? We're talking about a lot of years ago. Yeah. That just wasn't what was done. <clears throat> and whether they, they weren't really religious either. I mean, it's it wasn't like she was a fundamental Christian family and then this is how it was discovered. It was two really secular families all of a sudden grasping at these social non-norms <laughs> to, yeah. to actually inflict... Yeah. Uh, a message that I don't know as though she would have ever like believed any of that her mom uh, right. until it was time to be like this is wrong you know but you know who knows why so anyway so that was it yeah. like I just got Jeez. I just got exiled like overnight didn't get a chance to actually have a conversation with the, my girlfriend no idea really what had happened I had no explanations I was just ghosted you know as they say nowadays um, and I thought from that point on I would never see her again. And I was pretty sure I would never see her again because we didn't go to the same high school. Right, I couldn't call. Right. I couldn't show up. Um, I think I vaguely remember trying to go to, to the high school because I had a lot of friends now because I, I used to see her at her high school and interact with her friends. I did have other people that I knew that were mutual friends that I knew I could count, mm -hmm. could call. But, yeah. you know, calling in the 80s was different. You had to call at someone's house. <laughs> right. <laughs> and their mom had landlines. You had, to add, yeah. you had to call a landline. <laughs> you had to get to the person if they Can weren't home. Can you leave a message? Yeah. You know, kind of stuff. So it took a while for me to actually find somebody who, right. and they, of course, because I had never told them about the relationship, they didn't have any details as to what had happened. I, you know, oh, so here yeah. I am skirting around so this happened and her mom's really mad and I don't really know why. Can you ask her to call yeah. me or could you ask her what happened? And then I'm thinking to myself, well, if she tells you what happened, she's going to be outing herself, which she's never going to do. Right, right. You know, so I was getting all these like weird, yeah, so I talked to her and she said, it's just really bad at home. Please, you know, don't call. You know, like, so that's the explanations I was getting. Basically, not much more than nothing. I already knew, which is something yeah. bad happened at home. Don't call. Um, and so eventually, I must have gone to the school and either gone early enough or late enough or found her at the on one of the athletic fields and had a brief conversation with her to which she explained to me. I can't do this, you know, um, I've been going to um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes and it's obvious that this is really wrong, it's against God's will. So the litany of why you cannot be a Christian and be engaging in anything other than, you know, heterosexual relationships. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is nothing, yeah. you're not religious, I'm not religious, this is not even a part of our, like, anything. Nope, right. nope, FC, you know. The, the Christian organization says, nope, I got to put an end to it, and I'm putting an end to it. Wow. So 
at that point, my decision was, okay, so I'll never see her again, which you, you can't really turn off those strong feelings overnight. It's right. hard, you know, no. like, as you well know, yeah. when someone breaks up with you, it's really hard to just turn that off and it yeah. takes time. Especially, especially because I, if I'm not mistaken, I did get a lot of message. She also was having a hard time with it. I mean, yeah, she was going from big course. feelings yeah. to just, I'm oh, cutting yeah. it, but not cutting it off because she no longer wanted to be involved with me. Right. She was cutting it off at the behest of something, something mm-hmm. else. So those feelings didn't stop for her. Right. So I know mm-hmm. that I got a lot of conversation uh, like, I still really love you. I still really want to be with you, but we just can't be together like this because this is wrong. And so I knew she still cared for me, but I knew this thing was keeping her from having, from us being together. So I did the only normal thing that for me at the time was wherever you're going, you know, isn't there a Bible verse, wherever you go, I go kind of thing to Sarah (laughs) and somebody. I am always there. (laughs) Omnipresent. Rebecca and somebody <laughs> like there's a line in the Bible that's like, your people are my people. Wherever you go, I go. Yeah. That was me. I was like, I don't care where you went and how yeah. horrible it is. Oh. I'm going too. So yeah. how do I sign up? <laughs> yeah. How do I become a part of this organization that you're part of? That's Even so though they're funny. both, they're going to tell both of us right. we're going to hell. Right. I'm going to go to hell with you sitting yeah. next yeah. to you. So um, I was like, uh, yeah. How do I sign up? How do I become involved? You're absolutely right. I need to like consider this as something I need to consider as my eternal soul <laughs> and let me go to some of these things with you and I'll evaluate as well. Yeah. And so I, somehow I weaseled my way into going to these org, you know, That's these so meetings. Funny. And so there I was going to these, uh, athlete, you know, fellowship of Christian athlete meetings, mm-hmm. sitting right next to her. Um, and I was like, well, I guess sometimes you got to pay a price to, you know, love, <laughs> love ain't free. You gotta, you gotta do stuff sometimes. Wow. So yeah. I did that for a while, but then, you know, after a while, that kind of stuff takes a hold on you. So next thing you know, I'm kind of like getting sucked into it and, uh, trying to become a better person. And that's what, that's what got me was the whole, you know, there's a, there's a community out there of people who want the best for you. And you have to stay within the confines of these people in order to be the best person that you could ever be. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that, that was my hook in there was I want to be the best person I can be and the best person that God intended me to be. And so how do I do that? I had excelled at many things prior to that in my life. And so it was really a natural progression for me to be given this, this bar, this Christian bar that's way up high and, and then someone challenging you are you up for it? Can you be the best? You know, yeah. not everybody does it. Not everybody can be there, but you know, and the more I gave yeah. up of myself, presumably the more God was happy with me. Wow. I mean, they made that connection between denying those things that you feel and that gets yeah. you closer to God. And denying so, your humanness. Exactly. Everything that you give up makes you more godly. And so the less of you, yourself, your identity that there is left, the more they praise you, the more they tell you, wow, what a, what a huge thing that you gave up for God. It's a lot. It's a lot. You gave up your sexual. What a cross to bear. What a cross to bear, but you're doing it. So, uh, and if you're goal oriented, as I was, uh, I was always like, oh, I want, you know, 
show me how to get the highest reading level with the, you know, yeah. at school. Yeah. Let me have the oh, most yeah. stickers. Let me get the best grades. <laughs> yeah. Let me, you know, excel at sports. Yeah. So this was just another one of those. Hey, you know, not everybody can be the best Christian, but if you work really hard at it, you can do it too. And so I was like, I'm in. You I know? so feel you on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. yeah. I did that too. <laughs> and and I think, I don't know if they know what they're doing. I would suspect they do. They know mm-hmm. what motivates people to, to do um, certain things. But it, the whole system is set up to just chip away at who you are. I mean, and, and if I were to say that right now to someone who's a fundamentalist Christian, they would agree. They would say, well, of right. course, because who you were was awful. Right. You know, you because need to have all that chipped away. So yeah. like, there's no, we all like kind of agree, but for different reasons. They're yeah. like, you need to be less of you and more of God. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I don't think so. I think I actually want more of me and less of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the more I'm me, the more I really am what god intended me to be yeah you're what god God created (laughs) god created so it's so ironic that you're just you're undoing everything that god did and somehow that makes you more godly Um, anyway so um i graduated i was a year ahead of her so i had already got my hook into the christian world and so the first thing that the organization said as i went off to college was you'll never make it in that secular hellhole of a world Unless you find other like-minded Christians, surround yourself, keep, you know, on the straight and narrow. Don't go anywhere near any of the LGBTQ community. Right. My God, that'll be your demise. Um, put the fear, literally the fear of God in me. And right. so uh, first thing I did when I got to U of M was start, you know, they hooked me up with UCL. They were like, oh, we've heard of this organization that's good and very helpful and you should okay. go find them. So yeah. quick question. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So the um, FCA wasn't part of UCL? community, mm-hmm. it was, no. or UCO. They just are knew about them and like worked with. Yeah, them in some I think ways. somebody somewhere in uh, in Fellowship of Christian Athletes. The, the our participation in FCA also involved going to other Christian types of conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So F- FCA would send athletes to other conferences. And in those conferences, you would meet other people from other or- Christian organizations, whatever they are. And okay. somewhere along the line, somebody's like, oh, yeah, my big brother ended up at U of M and he got involved in UC- this thing called UCO. It's a really good organization. Right. Look them up when you get there kind of I thing. Gotcha. I remember yeah. going to something I like think that in high school. FCA like a, college, though. a Steubenville conference or something yes. where it was like yes. lots yeah. of community kids, lots of different yeah. kind of Christian high Different kinds of Christian organizations. organizations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah okay. that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, because yeah. I definitely have had friends like in the Lansing community and the Ann Arbor community, UCO, Ignite, who were part of FCA, and I never oh, okay. knew what the affiliation was with mm. that. So thank you for, for clearing yeah. that up. Yeah, yeah, know. just different. And so they, they dropped the UCO name and said, go look for them. And so I did. the first My first year, I got involved in UCO. And, you know, I was from that point on, I was like, completely 100% UCO driven. Okay. Everything I did uh, wow. from morning, noon to night, the morning prayers, the afternoon prayers, wow. the in-between classes meeting with people who are like, you know, are you still Christian? You know, are you, yeah. are you still praying? Anything changed uh, yeah. in the last two Did hours? you have any temptations during your math class? You know, whatever it was, <laughs> like whatever it is that they, they do to make sure that someone like you got eyes on someone's got eyes on you at all times yeah, when you're yeah. in yeah was it was it the goals oriented mindset still that like 
caused the the intensity and swiftness of latching on to UCO? Or what was it about UCO that was like, I'm going to be all in on that? I think for me, it had morphed into um, the first time in my life I had a massive community mm-hmm. behind me, around me, supporting me, being part of me. The irony is if I had, if the, if the time frame of the 80s had been more accepting like it is now, I would have gravitated to an LGBTQ community and right. they, would have been, they would have been my UCO. Right. It would have been a massive right. group of people, right. like-minded individuals yep. supporting me, telling me, yeah, you know, it's hard out there, but, you know, stay steady. Giving There's you that pe- Giving me the affirmation, that, yeah. the attention, the the praise for, yeah, it's not easy out there to I be queer, but, you know, there are others. You're not alone. Basically, yeah. it's the same message the for same every thing. group. Yeah. You are not alone. Yeah. The difference and being, had, like, in one group, you could be yourself, and in another yes, group, yes. you're asked to give up You're asked to you give are. up stuff. Yes. But the the enveloping, you are not alone, is what right. grabs you. And totally. So I had I had been so isolated as a as a queer kid that to then be thrust into this other organization that became a community for me, literally the same word, it was my community, Mm -hmm. um, just replaced those feelings of isolation and just provided what I had missed my whole upbringing. Because you, as a queer kid in the 80s, you're really isolated, especially if you don't, Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't have the things like you do now where you tell your family and your family's like, and you know, what's the big news? Like you're gay. So whatever. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like that. You, you, you still do. I'm not going to dismiss. There are still lots of kids in very rural areas and even in inner city areas where their family just completely disowns them. It still goes on, Mm -hmm. but as a society, yeah. We're seeing, you know, less right. of the condemnation, obviously, yeah. as it should be. Right. Um, yeah. But so I was completely isolated as a queer kid. So when this community came along in high, in um, in college, mm-hmm. I, it was the first time I had had so many people in my life that loved me and cared about me and looked out for me. And, yeah. uh, you know, had eyes while, on you. I had like eyes you were on saying. me. And I'm yeah. thinking this is a great thing. They all are like here for me to support me, to love me. And little by little, they're all chipping away in some capacity mm. at who I was, like to be less than who I began. Um, that's a, that's a weird dynamic. Cause like you're yeah. actually supporting and, and thriving on the fact that you're becoming not you. Wow. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. You're willingly, yeah. you're willingly participating in every single aspect of mm-hmm. how to dismantle your true self and yeah. mm-hmm. signing up for it. They're like, who wants to not be themselves? Me! Mm-hmm. I don't want to be who I was because that, yeah, was, a sinner, it's hard. And that was an awful yeah. person and I want to be more what God wants for me. So yeah, me. Take Authenticity me first. is hard. Dismantle <laughs> me first. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, when you're in high school, it's like, what high very few high schoolers are like completely secure in who they are (laughs) you know like i am great just how i am all it seems like most high schoolers at least have some things that are like oh this is bad about me this is wrong about me and yeah i think if you find a group that's like yeah but you can change it and you can you know Mm -hmm. you can be different and we'll notice that and praise it you know that's like yeah super appealing yeah the po- the positive yeah. reinforcement was for a very negative uh undertaking right 
Um, yeah. So yeah, it was the reverse of what you really should be doing. Yeah. So I, I got in, enmeshed in UCO. And <clears throat> like I said, right at the beginning of, the, of our conversation, little by little, UCO became, you know, oh, that's the junior league. There's this like, there's this varsity right. team called Word of God. <laughs> and uh, only the special again. And then now, once again, like kind of pulling me in with the whole bigger goals, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're great as a UCO member, but you could be super special if you became picked for WOG, you yeah. know, so... Then it was like, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean not everybody gets in? What do you got to do to get into that thing? And so little by little, I was... So by this time, I had had my um, freshman year. My freshman year, I was obviously assigned to um, a dorm dorm room with somebody I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the next year, I had been involved in UCO that whole freshman year. Uh, And so by the second year, uh, UCO, basically UCO, my uh, women's group leader, I think, is that what they still call them? So that so. your women's head yeah, or your women's, women's group, leader. group leader and yeah. So they as, they assigned somebody to you to kind of be your mentor, your UCO mentor. Okay. Different um, than a pastoral leader? I maybe that's the same thing. Okay. Maybe that's what they were calling it at the time. I just remember there who was knows? a woman in the community yes. <laughs> who who was very much in the word of God community, but her her service to Word of God community was being part of UCO. This so kind of everybody outreach, that was part of yeah. UCO, okay, everybody yeah. that was part of leadership for UCO is part of Word of God. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's like the, a given. So there were my pastoral leader, my f- woman's pastoral leader um, would, you know, counsel me on everything, literally every step of everything that I did. And so they assigned me roommates for my second year that were UCO kids that also needed to be, you know, eyes on each other. And so, um, you know, from that point on, who I lived with, who I prayed with, who I ate with, who I socialized with, who I studied with, almost some of the same classes in some regard, you know, like you would be kind of, they would figure out what your major was and then figure out if there was ways to get everybody in like the same kind of class sort of, you know, like just so you had support. And again, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't unusual to have mid afternoon prayer meetings uh, during school session, you know, during school days. Yeah. Um, so there's like this fine line that I'm like trying to dance around in my brain between being wanting to create an environment with like minded people in the same rooms in the same spaces, but then there's also a side of it that is quite manipulative, in that like they are intentionally orchestrating which people should be around each other for Mm -hmm. what purposes and they know so much about you through your pastoral leaders and through the amount that you are encouraged to share about yourself and your weaknesses and Mm -hmm. your temptations and things that I it's just concerning to me when you say like everybody that you were around with was purposefully placed there but then i can see how someone would be like but that's like a good thing you want to be around people who are like you and yeah i think it's it's just so it's like the isolation factor right like isolating someone from exposure to other thoughts or to outside people is like a very common uh manipulation slash brainwashing technique but absolutely um, but it's it's also the hallmark of many cults right but it's also like you're saying jackie you know of course you want to be people around people who are supporting you and your goals and stuff. I think it's the 
to me the difference is the um the the way people would respond if you also spend time with people not in that group right so like if they're yeah. like yeah be around yeah. like-minded people get that support but of course like also see what else is out there that's one thing but yeah. to isolate and be like and you have to only do this is where it starts to become yeah and like, that's where that's literally yeah. where it went off the rails for me yeah. honestly you hit it that you hit the nail on the head as to the support at all costs like be around right. like-minded christians everything else and it's outside the only is, way it's the only way and anything secular anything outside of christianity and to some slight degree, not I would imagine it's way more in the world, in the actual community itself. You couldn't even be with other Christians. Like there was a message that the Word of God Christians were the real Christians. Yeah, it's right? like a deeper and yeah, relationship. You got your home, you got your home churches, and you've yeah. got your home Catholic church. But you know, they're just Catholic light. You guys are like the real hardcore Catholics. Again, those yeah. levels of you're better than, you're better than, you're better than. Mm-hmm. And they, it, the amount of like language that centered around, um, we're better than every, we're better than all the other Christians. We know something they don't know. Yep. Um, was pretty incredible when you look back on it. Um, it just yeah. the elitism of, yes. if you're in the word of God community, then you're closer to God than anybody else. Yeah. Is. You're chosen. Um, and, you're chosen. And the only other time that you would actually feel like you're amongst peers is if you were with another word of, you know, another community, like an actual adult community mm-hmm. would look at each other. And even within those communities, I think there was a pecking order. Oh, you know, absolutely. I think yeah. If you were, I mean, especially because Ann Arbor was, you know, where it all started for the mm-hmm. word of God community. So, you know, if you had access to Stephen Clark and, and uh, Ralph uh, Martin, Martin. You know, if that was your, like, the guy that was down at the floor praying, you know, every Sunday, then your community was better than the one where Ralph Martin just visited every once in a while. So just, I mean, talk about pride. (laughs) Like, no concept of some of these, like, basic sins uh, and how they ran rampant uh, with uh, the community. Yeah, yeah. So you said it started to go off the rails once oh, yeah, you realized yeah, that did. there was like <clears throat> isolation. So you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, my life was completely orchestrated at that point. And then, uh, you know, lo and behold, you, you can only hold back who you are for so long. Uh, yeah. And after trying and trying, I think I had, you know, this was three years in high school. I gave up my girlfriend and went into UCO and first year I was like all about UCO and second year I was all about UCO. But by the second, you know, going into the third year, the summer of the third year, I had been living in summer households. I didn't go home after, um, after school was out. So all the years that I could, even my first year, my freshman year, I didn't go home. I stayed in a UCO house during the summer. Was your family Um, still in Warren at that point? Yeah. Yeah. They still live there. Um, And, you know, it's not too far away from Ann Arbor, so I could drive home or they could visit. And so that took place. But again, my whole entire identity and my community and my support system was now there. And there had also been, you know, the nagging in the back of your mind, which is if I go home, I'm not around the Christian community anymore and I could and I could slip. I could go back and be who I'm not supposed to be anymore, you know, and even messages of your, your family's perfectly wonderful, but they're not in a Christian community. So they're not really Christian. 
you know? So yeah. the more you wanted to not fail, the more you stayed around UCO and the more you stayed around, you know, UCO orchestrated households and word of God related activities and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't go home. I never went home after I went to college. So I stayed up there. But lo and behold, I was starting to kind of be like, this is not working well for me. I, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. I'm starting to feel like certain things had happened that really made me question whether or not this was the best thing for me. And one of those incidents was, I mean, this concept where women are secondary to men in yeah. UCO, in Word of God, in the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And it came to a real head at one, like, I think we had talked early on about one of the pivotal moments in my life was when I was playing guitar for morning prayer. And I had played guitar for morning prayer many times. And I was a pretty decent guitar player, not the best by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. But, you know, amongst the people that were praying every morning, I, that was just kind of the service that I took on. Yeah. Um, and occasionally you would have jo joint prayer meetings, uh, mixed prayer meetings with the brothers. So they would mm -hmm. pray separately in the morning. The women would pray separately. And then like, I don't know, I don't remember how it happened. Was it once a month, once a quarter or something? They decided, okay, everyone's going to pray together. And I remember one time when we had a mixed prayer meeting, um, I kind of like got set up and was ready to play my guitar and sort of got tapped on the shoulder like those old dance shows where they tap you on the shoulder and tell you, you know, you're off the floor. You know, you, you didn't make it. Somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, well, you know, you don't really need to play. You can put your guitar away. And, and I'm thinking to myself, why? Like, there's a, a lot of people here, you know? Yeah. And they said, um, well, you know, it's a mixed, it's a mixed group. You can't, you can't play the guitar if there's brothers here. And I was, you know, I'm like flabbergasted. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why would I not play the guitar? And they're like, right. it's not appropriate. Um, the brothers have somebody in their group that will play the guitar. And it has to be if you're in mixed company and one of the brothers has to play the guitar. And, and I was like, well, that's nuts. Well, who's going to, you know, who's going to play? <laughs> and yeah. they pointed out somebody who didn't really know how to play guitar. And I knew this, like, I knew that I was a better guitar player than they were. And I was like, why are you, why are you picking somebody who can't play guitar when you have somebody right here, me who can play? And I, I don't remember it being any kind of like, I'm way better than him. I should play. It was more like, why would you do that? Like, it just doesn't right. make any sense. Yeah. And it was, why made, not have two guitars? Why not yeah. have two guitars? Yeah. You know, nope. It was really clear there is a subordinate order. And if there are men singing, then there needs to be a male guitar player playing. Yeah. Who knows if this is still the same? But uh, that's that was that's for me. That's the way it was for my you. My eyes yeah. were like blown open. And it was the first time in my life that it had been so blatant. Like that's I'm awful. sure it had been going on around me for for a number of years in UCO. I just didn't. It was never anything that was directly affecting me. Yeah, it's like until it's said explicitly, you just kind of accept it. Like, I'm trying to yeah. think if there were ever women playing guitar at prayer meetings growing up. Like, our mom played guitar, and she was really good. She played mm -hmm. all the time. And she was also actually, like, in Ann Arbor around the same time. And I know she knew how to play guitar really well at that oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> um, she had a guild. She had a, like, she knew how to. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she never played at prayer meetings when we were growing up. I don't know if that's like because she didn't want to or because she couldn't. Yeah. Or, but she played yeah. at our church. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, because, you know, the home churches are very, very different. They're like whoever's yeah. the best, you know, 
and and I think maybe it didn't hit me square between the eyes prior to that because I hadn't been a good guitar player for a very many like a long mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. so it wouldn't have occurred to me to play in a mixed group in any capacity but yeah, yeah it was really blatant and that was kind of like I think one of the beginnings of the ends and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. I was starting to go back and realize how many other things about me were trying to be undone and pushed down um I, you know I worked for the grounds crew for many many years as my summer job and even during the yeah. school year to make money to you know books and everything else to kind of help out with my tuition and I was always discouraged from being a part of the grounds crew because it wasn't uh, it wasn't an appropriate female role for me because I was going out in pants and work oh boots my god and I mowed lawns and I like I drove a, a Cushman you know one of those little like little teeny tiny How cars I drove you. it around campus and picked it <laughs> I picked up garbage. Like I did all of the these male-dominated, I you know, like things. <laughs> and so they constantly were trying to get me to find a different job. Don't you want to work in the in the kitchen? Don't you want to work in the cafeteria? You could do this. You could do that. I'm like, no, I want to be a part of the. I like this job. Um, and so they were very clear about my 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 habits of dress, you know. So during the week wow. when I was working in the grounds crew, I was wearing pants and work boots and being my complete, yeah. you know, normal self. Yeah. And then as soon as the weekends hit, it was like you, it was mandatory. You had to wear a skirt to go to all the prayer meetings. It was Whoa. mandatory that you dress yeah, that's right. in a, you know, don't Oof. dress anything like the brothers do. All the while with the secondary message of don't do anything that was, te you know, tempting to the brothers. It's oh your responsibility gosh. not to dress too loose, you know, so you couldn't win. You had to yeah, dress yeah. this way to be modest. You couldn't do this, you know. And I think and like, so, sorry, if I can no, no, no. cut you off for a second. Um, by the time this episode airs, I think we will have already aired another one where we mentioned that a lot of the time these things are talked about as like, well, that was like, you know in the beginning that was before the split that was that mm -hmm. we don't do things mm -hmm. like that anymore but like the same people are leading the same yeah. people are coordinators and leaders and yes people change yes people grow but like that much <laughs> is it yeah. even if it's not it's like, not been that long because we talked to simon no. michler at the beginning of this season who said that yeah the like at the summer camp the men's and women's in high school the chores they were allowed to do were different like women had to be in the kitchen boys were collecting mm -hmm. the trash oh yeah it's those, like those gender roles still are still hardcore yeah. i mean the people that the leadership <clears throat> have they haven't changed their mentality about what that is they've just right. gotten better about hiding how they say it and maybe so. the way that they yeah, go about so, getting too. you to comply yeah um, that underlying messaging is still their core belief yes belief is absolutely there. yeah I mean, the messaging yeah, might be softer the messaging is yeah mm -hmm. and it's yeah. still the same thing there are appropriate christian roles for everything, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you think, there's a way to do it if you're a woman, and there's a way to do it if you're a man. Mm -hmm. And never the twain, they just have no concept of fluid gender roles at all. Right. Like, instead of picking who's the best at it, this is why, I mean, I'm completely off you know, my storyline, but this is why this it's is completely crazy <laughs> that Amy Comey Barrett is like on the Supreme Court. I was Court just going to go there. Technically, I was, she I is not supposed to be making decisions over men. Like it's no. just completely wrong from a Christian community perspective. Unless your goal is to get somebody on the Supreme Court yes. and you say in a back room, a bunch of men sit together and say, what's the chances of us getting a Christian 
zealot, male Christian zealot on the Supreme Court versus a female, mm -hmm. much better chance of getting a female because diversity, diversity, diversity. There's not enough yeah. women on the court. So a woman's going to get on the We got to make it look yeah. good. We got to make it look appropriate. And so there she is. But you're yeah. like, she's literally getting the same messaging when she she's goes home from a covenant her husband community. She's yeah. from people of praise. Right. People of yeah. praise is no different than any other community. Yeah. And she is somehow negotiating her her whole like existence because it benefits the furtherance of the community to right. be in a in a role at mm -hmm. the Supreme Court level to make decisions. And obviously we've seen the ramifications of that and it's been absolutely devastating. Absolutely devastating. So that's what you know, those yeah. those roles are always appropriate until such time that the overall Christian goal yeah. Uh, trumps like literally trumps it and then you can do <laughs> yeah. whatever i mean you can swallow anything as long as the christian mm -hmm. goal of whatever we're trying to get is actually furthered ahead and then you can yeah. sort of forgive those things or look the other way and or be but like, it, yeah and even in that case i'm sure she is like deferring to the men in her life in so many ways that are actually influencing the decision she's making, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I would like to believe that she has enough integrity as right. a legal scholar to make those decisions on her own, but I don't believe it. Yeah. I just no. don't believe it. I don't no, believe I don't that she's it. not sounding off with her husband and saying, right. you know, this is what I'm thinking legally. Is she and... still part of people of praise? Yeah, she's still a part of it. She actually grew up in like one of the people of praise, the founder's household or something, or or she spent some okay. time in one of, of their households yeah. or something as a nanny or I don't remember what the whole, okay. but she's deep. She's part the of it. Of okay. She's definitely still part of it. Yeah. Then you know. she's definitely still differing to men. <laughs> That's like... Yeah. And I feel like the, the, the evangelical or recruitment mindset of community the goal is to make this like a countrywide global mm -hmm. thing yeah, yeah. That's i don't know the i feel concept. like that's the goal is like, to like overcome the secular culture yeah so, it, and 100 percent be a christian wild. nation slash christian planet yeah. like no different than the fundamentalist taliban who right. say right. we need to have right. you know a Muslim country and a Muslim like planet, yeah. and so like you're, because, you're like, not God's seeing law any is differences. Than man's law yeah, and, you you see yeah. no differences between the methodology, yeah. and the recruitment is the same. This is yeah. how these kids get quote radicalized. It we're, right. it's the same word. Kids are getting here. radicalized yeah. to be Christian. Kids are being radicalized to be um, you know fundamentalist Muslims. It's no yeah. different, yeah. and. Yeah. Or a fundamentalist white supremacist, right? right Maybe not. Right. It's Christian identity, generally speaking, for the ideology behind white supremacists. It's a right. you know, Judeo-Christian kind of thing. But, but still, you're being radicalized to do something. And it's the same exact technique. Find a kid who has no community. Give them community. Tell them that as, 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 as they slowly dismantle who they are and as they slowly dismantle thinking for themselves, they become closer to the deity, whatever deity it is. Yeah. Same exact thing. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's scary yeah. business. Um, it is. <laughs> I, I'm it happy is. to be out. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, how how was like the exiting process? Because I know like some people we've talked to were forced out, not mm -hmm. by their own, not their choice. And I'm, I'm wondering for you what that 
process was like and what the separation of that relationship felt like to you? Well, I was uh, forced out as well. I mean, I, I, um, I think okay. it was just a replication of what had happened to me uh, in high school when I went to my girlfriend's door and a door slammed in my face and I was told to go away and don't ever come back. What you're doing is horrible and you're a horrible person for it and we will not support you as a result. It, it finally, after all these little nagging things, the deferment to the brothers, the, you know, you shouldn't be working in the grounds crew. Um, you're not doing enough women's like things slowly, but surely I was starting to then, you know, come back to my original LGBTQ identity. So there was a, and, and of course the first thing I did was confess, Oh my gosh, you know, I've seen, I saw somebody, Oh, I, you know, had these thoughts and, and so they were like, oh, this is not going – it was probably because you put pants on. This is exactly what happens when you wear pants, you know? Like that's, <laughs> that's the kind of mentality they have, you know? Like it's a slippery slope. As soon as you start putting yeah. pants on and mowing lawns, yeah. you know what's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to just go right down that lesbian path again. And this Pants is are probably... a gateway drug. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pants are a gateway drug. And so it was like you brought this on yourself. We told you not – you know, oh, we geez. told you not to do this. We told you to listen to the way we were going to do it, and you didn't do it, and now look what happens. Now the feelings are creeping back in because you're not praying enough. You're not close enough to God. You've strayed away. So I went through a whole, you know, a number of months. I don't even remember how long it was of confession, 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 confession. No, you know, I'm not going to do it again. And I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't like actually having a relationship with anybody. It was just thoughts of, yeah. you know, oh, hey, you know, maybe I am actually still gay. And then it was uh, a whole entire litany of uh, exorcisms and praying over. Oh. And I'm in, like I told you before, it was like the big guns. It was like the leadership of WOG got pulled in to pray over Literal me. exorcisms. Yeah, it, literal exorcisms and people I never have seen before. A lot of men involved, lots of men involved. Um, well, and they're, lots they're the of best praying. at pulling the demons out. Don't you know? They're strong. The, the, They're so strong. The, the pastoral, the women pastoral leaders probably went and said, you know, we're going to lose her. And they're like, yeah, we knew if you guys did it, it right. wasn't going to work. It wasn't right. going to stick. Let, let it, us it, takes a, it takes a brother to actually expel Gross. this like, demon. So Gross. a bunch of people I didn't know in rooms, in places I weren't, wasn't safe felt really weird. It was all kind of like just kind of over, so over the top, over the top, intrusive, Scary. you know. And you're literally on a chair sitting with a bunch of people all around you screaming at you about demons coming out of you and telling you to confess things. And, you know, like it was scary as shit. Uh, it was really yeah. scary. Yeah. Um, and it didn't work. <laughs> so um, so I had slowly but surely while this was going on, one of the I think one of the catalysts was I had developed a relationship with someone um, who actually was um, Jewish. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to actually like convert a Jew to Christianity. I mean, that it's oh, almost wow. like one of those other yeah. goals that the more people you can yep. proselytize and bring into the fold, like that makes you more godly, right? So yeah. this was an opportunity for me to do this. But little did I know that I had met my match when it comes to like someone. <laughs> uh, she yeah. was is brilliant. I mean, she works in D.C. now on uh, on the Hill, uh, nice. and do you think she can talk to just... Amy Coney Barrett for us? Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just like sure real quick, have... like hey, if she could just pull you out, note. maybe hey, she could. How about some coffee? You know that thing you did a few years ago? Can you do that again? <laughs> 
So she, um, um, this woman that I had met in the cafeteria, just by chance, but you know, like for the first time in my life now, looking back, I might actually believe that God intervened, like in a positive way. Like God was like, you got to get out of this cult. Like (laughs) actual, you don't belong here. Yeah. Um, so somehow she came into my path, um, brilliant Jewish woman, uh, scholar and a rugby player. And if you know nice. the rugby team, rugby teams, they don't really care. They don't mess around. They don't mess around. <laughs> yeah. They don't care if you're gay, straight, or otherwise. If you can play rugby yeah, and you can hold your own group. on the rugby field, yeah, then you yeah. are in. Like that's mm-hmm. their community. That's yeah. the that's the litmus test for them. Can you can you play rugby? Then you're in. You're golden. Yeah. I tried one time. And I was a soccer player. And so they were like, you're going to be great. You're going to like, this will be yeah. perfect. And I ran for my life the opposite <laughs> direction when the actual like women came at me because I was like, oh, no, no, no. This is like, this is way too this hard. Is very, what is that, that called? The scrum? The scrum was yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I had like one chance at rugby and I failed, but they still took pity on me. So uh, this woman that I had met, I, you know, I explained to her who I was and I gave her my background and I was even, I even went so far as to say, you know, I used to be gay like you, you know, she was, she was gay. She was lesbian. I used to be lesbian, but God changed me. And she's all like, yeah, no, that's not how it works. Uh, And so slowly but surely we had lots of conversations. And so I was able to spend a lot of time with her legitimately in the eyes of the organization uh, because at that point they didn't know anything other than, oh, I met a nice Jewish person and I'm actually talking to them about God. And so they're like, oh, that's good. That's good. You know, that's a good right. thing. But lo and behold, as it became more apparent to them, they're like, oh, so you'd mentioned, you failed to mention that the, that the actual Jewish person you're speaking to happens to be on the rugby team and is lesbian as well. That's a problem. You shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I really like her and she's really smart and I really want to continue seeing her. And so it became, it became too much for them. And they were like, they, they basically said, you pick either the Christian community, you pick UCO or you pick her. Like you cannot have both. If you continue to see her, then it's obvious to us that you, your heart is not in the right place, that you do not want to be a good, solid Christian, that you are, you are specifically going down the road of Satan if you continue to have this relationship with her. And so, I mean, I thought I still had time to evaluate and think about it, but at some point I was like, well, at this point in my life, no, I can't, I can't give her up. And they're like, okay, you made your decision. And they just tossed me out in the middle of a summer, one summer, gave me all my stuff in one little bag and said, you're out. And not only are you out of the house, you're out of the community, the UCO community, because I wasn't a part of the Word of God community, not mm-hmm. technically, but I did mm-hmm. know a lot of people in it. No more of my friends were allowed to speak to me. I was literally excommunicated. No different than what had happened to me in high school, standing at the doorstep yeah. of my girlfriend's house. Um, Except that you are now also homeless. I was homeless. <laughs> I was in the yeah. middle of my third year of uh, going into my third year of college. And I had no support system. I, I mean, I lived and breathed UCO for the three years prior to that. And I knew nobody, zero, except for this one Jewish lesbian on the rugby team and her friends. And as they're known to do, they swooped in and heard mm-hmm. what had happened to me. And they're like, that's some bullshit. <laughs> and Get over here. They, Come over. <laughs> we got a place for you. They gave me a place to stay. They gave oh, me a room. Wow, they gave me friends and they picked me up and they were like, good riddance to that cult that you were for in. For real. You know? Yeah. And 
you know, yeah, they're a huge community. They were a community into uh, unto themselves. But unlike the cult community, they were like, you go talk to whoever you want. Like, if you want right. to hang with the rugby players, hang with us. We'll give you a place to go, a place to play, a place to party, a place to study, a place to everything. But if you don't want to, we're not going to force you to. Yeah, it's not and we're not going to condemn who you are seeing and who you what you are doing. Um. And that's unconditional love. That's unconditional. That's how it should be. That's what that is. It, it should be the whole, like, if you want to stay with them, then you do. But you don't have to. Yeah, it's actually you know? quite uh, Christ-like, you could say. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So um, I moved into oh, wow. I moved into one of the rugby homes, right? Because they just, like, it's a mirror image of what's going on with the community. Like, they have rugby homes in the summer where oh, all wow. the rugby players live. And so I moved into one of these rugby homes uh, uh, where uh, multiple women had shared, you know, accommodations in a house. And it was across the street from one of the brothers' houses. (laughs) (laughs) So I listened post getting kicked out. I listened to the brothers praying every morning. And from this weird, unique perspective, stood outside, you know, stood at the window with my cup of coffee with the felt my other rugby friends going, what exactly is going on in that house that they do this every morning? What, what are they doing over there? And then they would, and I would say, well, you know, actually I know what goes on in there because I just used to be a part of that. And they're like, what? That's what you were a part of. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the community I was in. So, but yeah, so I left and I never looked back mostly because they wouldn't look at me. And I, and I had no contact with any of the people that I had friendships with, you know, I was actually, I missed a lot of those people. I have no idea what happened to them. Many of them came and left and graduated and disappeared. A lot of them were for other countries. So I had no connection to them at all. Um, But since then, I mean, we're talking 25, 30 years later, I have reconnected with a few of them that were in the house that summer when I was kicked out. Wow. And one of them has since come out and is lesbian as well. Um, they didn't do a really good job of figuring out who I should be hanging around with because clearly yeah. they, right. they, they missed that this. one, right? They missed yeah. the, the other lesbian in the house. Like, <laughs> um, and and several others of them have since left the community. Uh, it took them a while. Some of them were yeah. in the community for yeah. a while. One of them got married to somebody in the community and then divorced and then left the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm actually friends with a number of those people. And they kind of, as best that they can recall, give me the other side of that, which was... What were you told when they kicked me out? I asked them, right. you know, what yeah. what was said? And they were like, they just said that you no longer wanted to be a part of the Christian community and were not willing wow. to follow the Christian rules. And so for the benefit, for their benefit of their souls, they should not have contact with me. So that was how it was presented to them, which is Jeez. you don't want to go hang around somebody who just got kicked out because they're not being real Christians, right? So, you know, at, at, at the... Wow. At, at the peril of your own soul, you should stay away from her and not have anything to do with her. And that's why they did that, you know. And mm-hmm. they were really upset when I first reconnected with them. I'm so because they're older now and they understand what what happened yeah, now. Of course. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I I wondered where you went and I wanted to talk to you, but it was made very, very clear to us that we were not allowed. It was the wrong thing to do. And so I just wasn't strong enough. A lot of them have said, I can't believe how strong you were to leave because I had thought about leaving, but I didn't because I was afraid because I didn't want to be alone. I knew what had happened to you, so I really didn't leave. 
because yeah. I didn't want to be shut out, you know. So, but we're good. We've reconciled. I didn't have any hard feelings. It's, I did maybe at first I did, but you know, I've got a lot of years behind me now to understand the dynamics of what's going on when you're a college kid. Yeah. I was completely manipulated in a cult. Yeah. You were all under that. I had no opportunity. Yeah. And they were too. And so they had no ability to actually, you know, do anything for themselves. And, um, some of them are still very, very angry. <laughs> I can tell you that some of them are very angry about the community and how they were treat, mm, how they yeah. were treated, and what the community as a whole is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. send them here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matt, you guys know that. From Telling me. you, yeah. different era, different issues. It's right. always the same thing. Yeah. yeah. The taking away of your identity to to supposedly become closer to God. Right. And if you're just left alone, you might actually be the closest you would be to God. Yeah. You know? Go figure. Yeah, that's the yeah. kicker. That's the kicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, so that's man. a really long story. Trolls. But, you know, the reason I the reason I agreed and, and I'm happy to be a part of the podcast is I know for a fact that a lot of people in the community, and I have heard through the grapevine that a lot of people that are still in the community listen to this podcast. Um, Hello. I think out of curiosity, <laughs> you know, curiosity, wondering yeah. what those kids are saying about us, you know, like, oh, yeah. what yeah. dirt are they, you know, throwing, singing right. and, uh, those seeds eventually will sow, you know, just like I probably heard a million things that were counterproductive to my, you know, identity mm-hmm. along yeah. the way, but it was yeah. at the right time, at the right moment, that little things just yeah. broke out of the soil. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe somebody needs to hear this message and your message. So every time you do a podcast, you're sending out that little beacon of hope <laughs> to somebody somewhere. And Aww, the hope thanks. is that they're going to hear it. Well, you're sending so, it out. Our guests yeah. are sending it out. We're just recording. We're just making a space for you to tell your story. Hey, you know, if yeah. you're the soil or you're the seed, it doesn't yeah. matter. You need both together <laughs> in order for actually Aww. anything That's to actually clear. grow. So, <laughs> you know. It's true. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. And that's it. Yeah, this was amazing. Thank you um, so much. I yeah. really appreciate your candor and your vulnerability and like, I don't know, I think just like your self-awareness throughout the whole mm-hmm. process is really cool. It's like That's a lot of therapy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can appreciate yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Being able to. To, to ask somebody is I mean I can I went decades after my experience in college in UCO and the in the word of God saying is this normal and I really oh, yeah, honestly yeah. Mm-hmm. still do it still mm-hmm. do it I I have a feeling or I have a reaction to something and I have to ask somebody who I trust yep. is this normal and they're like no that's actually not normal and then I have to start unpacking it like is it childhood is it just like normal yeah. childhood on norm, right, not normal right, right. or is it the is cult? it the cult <laughs> like yeah what part of my life did I mess this up with, you know? Yeah. Um, but wow, I'm yeah. definitely a firm believer in constantly saying, you know, is this normal and is it healthy? Like sometimes it's yeah. not normal, but it's still mm-hmm. like it's part of you. So, yeah, it's yeah. good. But, and it's yeah. okay to be part of you, but, you know, if it's <laughs> yeah. not healthy. And so it's really important to find people outside of the nonsense. They might, they have their own is it normal moments oh, with other people. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. 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 I but, think my fiance and I have about five a day of those with each other. 
Is this normal? In different <laughs> ways. Like, huh, do you do this? No. Oh, okay. no. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you do that? <laughs> How long has this yeah. been going on? Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The other day, one of my friends was like, you can't blame everything on the cult. <laughs> Yes, I can. Watch me. It was something ridiculous. Like, I can't taste this cilantro or something. I don't know. It was, like, it was like really, really ridiculous. Uh, it's the cult. Oh, uh, it's, it's good funny. to park stuff there. At least you know where it's at. Right. Yeah. right. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you again. Yeah. And, um, My pleasure. I hope that you have a really good rest of your day. That you can relax. <laughs> Take a breather after all this. Yeah, uh, yeah it's Sunday and packing. I don't have to do anything. It's like incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. I don't have like no 27. <laughs> no prayer meetings all day. And, uh, you know, 10 different things that I'm supposed to be doing service yeah. for, you know. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Service for yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah very it. important. Self-care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you to everybody who continues to listen. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate, review, subscribe. Downloading is a really good way to help support us through the um, algorithm, as they say. Um, oh, and um, reaching out to us through email is easiest. So yes. I think it's communitykidspodcasts at gmail.com. Just because the Facebook messages, I they get, you know, there's the Messenger app and then the Facebook app and things get lost. So just email. And then the Instagram app. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Email's good. So, um, yeah. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or uh, things that you want shared anonymously. I know we're going to be doing a couple episodes like that in the future. So, uh, if you don't feel like you want to be on for a whole episode, you can just submit a story or uh, a perspective. And mm -hmm. uh, with that, uh, do something nice for yourself. Or do something nice for somebody else. If you're feeling shitty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good rest of your day, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye.